was I doing again? You're introing. What up? We're just a couple of cool guys who like listening to, you know, mid-2000s pop-punk music. <laughs> we like to, you know, talk about pop-punk music and chronicle pop-punk covers by Fearless Records and their Punk Ghost series. I believe this is called Punk Ghost Pod. Mm. And this week we're discussing three covers, no, two covers. A cover of a cover. Of a cover. No. 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 No, this is like a babushka doll of songs. This week we're covers just, all the way down. This is like Inception. This is like an onion. This is all over the place. Uh, I'm just going to start getting sensible now. You, you listeners at home are missing a lot of enthusiastic hand gestures. Yes. Um, it's very inspiring stuff, I've got to say. <laughs> this week's song is All Along the Watchtower, mm-hmm. originally recorded by Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. As covered one year later by the Jimi Hendrix Experience, mm-hmm. and then about 50 years later covered by Envy on the Coast for Punk Goes Classic Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a, a... I don't know if it's going to be huge, but it's like, wow, there's a, that's a lot of uh, layers, I guess. Yeah. Um, but how have you been, my lady love? Oh, I'm good. My eyes are threatening to fall out of my skull. Because if I'm not in front of my computer working, I'm doom scrolling on my phone or I'm watching reruns of whatever. Um, what is doom scrolling? It's just where like you're addicted to like just scrolling like news feeds to like figure out what's going on with the world. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like that classic. Like I know I need to stop, but am I going to? No, I'm not. I have um, the same thing with GIF recipes. <laughs> at least those are sort of productive yeah, I love I... the ones that are like ridiculous it's like that would not work in real life <laughs> yeah like all you need is some gold leaf and a lobster that can speak Spanish <laughs> and you know 12 years of culinary school at a French culinary school and that's all you need incredible Incredible. I do love the like how to gifs that are like life hacks oh, but they're ridiculous yeah yeah, some of those are just absolutely absurd. Mm, I do find them oddly soothing, like, because they're just so stupid. I don't follow any of them on Facebook, but they always just come up on my feed as ads. Mm. And I'm like, I, I'll scroll and then I'll just stop. And I'm like, wait, what are they doing here? Yeah. What are they uh, What are they doing? I'm trying to think of one that was just absolutely just bonkers stupid, but I can't. It's like ones where it was like a skirt and they, they cut out a hole lift it up a bit, and they put their arm through it, and now it's a dress. Mm, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. What a time to be alive. I know it was nearly a week ago, mm. but we did do possibly the most bizarre double feature of movies. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I Such was... as the time... Time to be alive, yeah. Or just the time black hole that we live in. Anyway. But I was... Uh, you know, we got to experience a good dose of, like, four or five days of good sun weather. Mm. So we got to experience some time sitting out on the balcony, and I was reading a horror book while listening to the soundtrack to the 2018 Halloween film. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, fuck, I really want to watch that movie, because it's actually a really fantastic film. 
And mm-hmm. so we watched it while you were working. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, because Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> you know, playing, you know, reprising her character of Laurie Strode in Halloween. Um, you were like, oh, it's Jamie Lee Curtis. I kind of feel like watching Freaky Friday. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, well, we don't have to be anywhere. Why don't we watch Freaky Friday after this? <laughs> and it actually was really, for the first 15 minutes, it was really quite bizarre for me watching Freaky Friday after having watched her basically hunt Michael Myers <laughs> in that 2018 film. Basically watching her become the killer in that film. Yeah. And it was like, oh wow, this is kind of strange. Yeah. It's, yeah, it was very jarring, but I am very pleased that we watched Freaky Friday again. I always forget that, like, Pink Slip, the band in that movie was sort of like the inspiration for me to get into guitar when I was a kid. And like, even though I was rubbish at it, it was, it's still so iconic. What a soundtrack as well. Like just wall to wall, like pop punk bangers. I mean, Bowling for Soup was on it. Oh, we get to talk about them down the line. I'm very excited. I don't remember what else was on it, but um, Bowling for Soup was on it, Mm -hmm. which I found out the other day. The lead singer of Bowling for Soup is the now the voice of the Chuck E. Cheese mascot in America, <laughs> which is hilarious. That rules. Because <laughs> does, does Chuck E. Cheese have, like, the animatronic bands and stuff? Yeah. That would be great if they had, like, an animatronic Bowling for Soup. It's basically what the inspiration for Five Nights at Freddy's was. Ugh. Nah. Remember the obsession for that game? Yes. I just, yeah. Animatronics can go to hell. Like, the other night, we had a games night over Zoom with some friends, and I was telling everyone how, when I was a kid, I went to this aquarium and went on this ride, and it was, like, all about, like, penguins and, like, the Arctic, blah, blah, blah. And which then, we learned that the penguins were actually alive. I know, which, yeah. like, that in itself was just, like, why is this happening to me? Like, I was already, like, mentally prepared to deal with animatronic penguins, and then there was, like, real ones in an uncanny valley of... Uh, anyway... And there was, like, this killer whale that, like, jumps out of the water because it's a predator. And, yeah. Animatronic killer whale. They don't like <laughs> yeah. it. An actual killer whale. Like, New is. Zealand's great, but it's not that, like, sophisticated. Uh, actually, no, I'm glad they didn't have one in <laughs> captivity. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, I was like, it's one of those memories that I have because, like, I've been told it so many times. But I was relaying that, like, when I was a kid, this whale, like, jumps out of the water and I just, like, lost my mind and just, like, had a complete meltdown. And so I was like, oh, hey, I wonder if it's on YouTube. Hey, it does still exist. And so, like, watching it on Watch Together with our friends. And, yeah, got to that moment. And, like, I did not remember any of it. But as soon as that whale jumped out, like, I was immediately like... <laughs> yeah, you had a reaction. <laughs> to be fair, though, you have a reaction to most things. Like, you you react to, like, when someone was getting punched in Umbrella Academy or something like that. Like, Oh, I mean, like, I'm just a jumpy person. Fair enough. Says you. I waved at you to try and get your attention the other day and had to wave quite a bit. And then, because you <laughs> only just saw me in your peripheral vision, like, what? I've been getting spooked lately. I don't You've know. been getting very spooked. I don't know what it is. It's like a couple of times when I'm in the kitchen and you you walk in and I turn around and I'm like, oh my I think it's just like, especially at the moment, it kind of is perplexing. So it's like... Who else is it going to just be? Us. Yeah. It's literally just us for the next six weeks, at least. And, like, <laughs> yeah. 
I like I guess in that sense, like, yeah, if it were someone else, that's a huge problem, but like theoretically. <laughs> do you know what it is though? I'm becoming my mother. Because I used to do that to her. Not on purpose. Sometimes on purpose. Sorry, Mum. <laughs> but like mostly because I would be very quiet on my feet. And because oh. we don't live on we didn't live on like the floors that we have here, which I don't know if they're kind of hollow or not, but you can kind of hear my footsteps. Mm. But on the tiles, I was very (laughs) light-footed and with socks on. And so I would sort of, you know, they'd be watching television and I'd be behind her while she was watching television on the couch. And I'd sort of like watch for, you know, 30 seconds or so and I'd say, oh, yes. And then she'd, oh, my God. So, yeah. I love that as a kid, like, you're known for, like, you had that habit of just hovering behind them. I just, you're a presence just in the background as they're watching telly. I, I probably did it the last time I slept at their house, which was like a year ago. <laughs> but, you know. Uh... <laughs> uh, before we get into the song, we will just say that we have another segment at the end, which uh, we get to speak to a very special guest, a familiar voice who isn't Richard S. He. Mm. You know. That's all right. It'll be interesting for you, Richard, to listen to this without hearing your own voice. This is true. So, yes, the uh, special guest is Era Jordan, Jordan Banks himself, to discuss his new album, his upcoming album, Tell My Wi-Fi Lover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, shall we get into one Robert Dillon? Yes. Businessmen, they drink my wine. Plowmen dig my earth. None of them along the line Know what any of it is worth No reason to get excited the thief he kindly spoke. There are many here among us. All right, so I'm going to go through the uh, the very you know basic details. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born in 1941 from Duluth, Minnesota, and he was born Robert Allen Zimmerman. Okay. Now, Bob Dylan's one of those ones. It's kind of like we sort of know. A lot about him. Yeah. I decided this week I'm going to cobble together facts from like a, you know, 20 facts about Bob Dylan website. Right. Uh, like a, you know, page on a website. So like a listicle. Yeah. So I've written down, we all know who Bob Dylan is. Instead of taking information from the Wikipedia page, I've taken fun facts from the website ranker.com. I do like that you read out that dot point in full. Yeah. <laughs> I've wrote it. I'm, I, you know, I took the... <laughs> It took me 58 <laughs> seconds to write it. I'm going to Go get spend some a mileage. minute and a half reading it out <laughs> and talking about it. Please keep going. All right. So his original stage name was Elston Gunn. It's kind of a sick name, Elston any, Gunn. Any like reason or just sounds sick? Sounds sick. Huh. Uh, he is both a Pulitzer. Pulitzer. Pul- Pulitzer and Nobel Prize winner. Uh-huh. His high school band was kicked off stage from a talent show after performing a shocking 
cover version of the Danny and the Junior song, Rock and Roll is Here to Stay. So I did some research because I saw that. I was like, what's a bet that it's one of those songs that's just like a very like... And it is. like. So as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, okay. Like, totally get it. So I want to know what was shocking about it. I'm going to say, I'm going to come out and say something Mm. um, that, you know, boomers love to call, you know, people of other generations who maybe take, you know, offense to, you know, things like the N-word and stuff. Snowflakes. Mm. That's the snowflakiest thing I've ever heard in my life, that this song (laughs) caused a school to kick a band off stage. This song is ridiculous. Like, unless they meant shocking in that, like, it was shit, but, like, I doubt no, it. No, I don't think it would have been shit. I think it would have been... Yeah, I don't know. I, I Depends on where he is at that stage. If it's Minnesota, I don't know how conservative Minnesota mm. might have been. You know, we're talking about, what, the 50s? Yeah. Yeah, you know, r- rock and roll, you know. But, yeah, like... It was an African-American music before it was white. mm that's yeah, good point. But like speaking of that sort of boomery, sort of like snowflakey, precious kind of language. So like looking it up on YouTube, like there was just a video where someone's just like done that classic like iMovie sort of cobbling together like pictures of like fifties high school dances and stuff. <laughs> and I just want to <laughs> I want to immortalize this YouTube comment from YouTube user Tony Shelton from six years ago. And I'll try and, like, get the um, capital letters the best way I can. <clears throat> Great video. Clean cut teens. It was the best of days, comma, comma, comma. Nowadays, we have to see teens and even some grown men with their pants around their knees acting like baboons, Ooh. selling drugs with filthy mouths, comma, and to think a young toddler is in a convenience store, standing at eye level with a grown man's rotten underwear. America's teens will sadly never be as clean-cut and well-mannered again. Ooh. I know, got him. Like, no, that's, that's horrible. Yeah. Ugh. And then someone else. I just... Like, this is the perfect song for these people to be jumping in and commenting on. Like, of course they would. Because then, like, further down... Dallas bias three years ago in lowercase no comment. <laughs> ah, the internet is yeah. a wonderful place. <laughs> uh, imagine like I'm sure some like, I'm pretty sure like in a TV show or something like, yeah, like Futurama did. You know what if the internet was a town or something? Mm. Like, but like nowadays it would be even worse. It would just be this, you know hellscape akin to hell i guess i mean that yeah hellscape sort of insinuates that much yeah anyway i got him i got him yep Uh, so the 2007 film i'm not there used six different actors to play bob dylan uh these actors included christian bale marcus carl franklin richard Gere, heath ledger ben wishaw and actress kate blanchett Mm. um i have not seen this film but i have seen kate blanchett as bob dylan yeah, it's cool. It's... Have you seen it? No, but I've seen the... Like, I remember there was a huge hype around it at the time. I, I don't know if it's, um... I don't know if it's in black and white or not, but just, like, the Kate Blanchett part of it, 
and it might be because she's also in this other one, but that kind of reminds me of Coffee and Cigarettes by Jim Jarmusch, mm. where it's just basically a black and white film where a whole bunch of different people have conversations over coffee and cigarettes. Yeah. And, like, it's... I don't know if it's a famous scene or not, but it's the white stripes, Meg and Jack. Yeah. And Jack has a Tesla coil. And Kate Blanchett has a conversation with... It's, like, it's like snobby Kate Blanchett with, like, free-loving Kate Blanchett <laughs> um, has a conversation with herself. That's cute. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so to get around the fact that he was technically a minor when he signed to Columbia Records, Dylan lied and told them he was an orphan. That's a cool and fun thing to do. Yeah. I th- yeah, there was something about, like, he would need his parents to... Like, he, he would need their involvement to get them to get yeah. signed. Oh, no, I know. But, like... Imagine your parents finding that out and just being like, okay. <laughs> uh, Laurie Wyatt, a former classmate of Dylan's, has accused him of plagiarizing Blowing in the Wind. Okay. And fellow musician Joni Mitchell has also claimed Bob Dylan is a plagiarist. But I couldn't really find out of what. Yeah. So, yeah. And I <laughs> wrote this down because um, I thought it was funny when i wrote it i do love like in just a little peek behind the curtain whenever sam has a bit he puts it in bold <laughs> because it is bold okay. <laughs> it's bold what i'm saying much like when macaulay culkin got marilyn manson into smoking weed a number of decades earlier bob dylan turned the beatles onto smoking pot did macaulay culkin really do that yeah i read an art like years ago like 20 years ago i read an <laughs> article about how McCall, like Manson and, Manson and Macaulay Culkin were hanging out somewhere and he'd never really smoked weed before. And it was Macaulay Culkin that was like, hey, you should try weed. I I find that hard to believe. Do you though? Have you seen the picture of the pictures of junkie Macaulay Culkin? Oh, like, I'm glad that he's clean now, but No, like Macaulay I get like he totally strikes me as someone who has smoked the good kush, but like Marilyn Manson? Surely, like, he had been on, like, harder shit before This was then. coming out of the mouth of Marilyn Manson, so... Ah, oh, well then. Fuck me, I guess. Yeah, like, it's, you know... I can also see Marilyn Manson being the kind of guy that's like, I only drink absinthe. Like, mm, this being is true about, like, oh, you know, I don't want to associate with whoever smokes weed, like, new metal people or something. I don't know. I still think my favourite Marilyn Manson moment was on MTV Cribs or something. <laughs> <laughs> he welcomed the segment by saying, Hello, I am Marilyn Manson, and this is my Marilyn Manson. <laughs> uh, That's great. I want to watch that. Me too. That's something that I could definitely like see myself falling into a rabbit hole of if like Amazon or someone added or Stan added cribs. Mm. I'd be like, this is stupid. And then I would... Like, wake up and I'd watched five seasons of this stupid show. I feel like in the current just climate, it would just make me mad. Like... Yeah, how dare you own a house? Well, yeah, it would just make me... Like, it'd just be like, here is a list of people who will be first against the wall. (laughs) Like, (laughs) anyway. Uh, So it makes me wonder, though, if he hadn't led them... Or, like, you know, gotten them inspired to smoke marijuana, would someone else have then influenced them to smoke marijuana... Or would we have not had their, like, trippy, let's go to India kind of phase? I feel like John Lennon would have come around to it 
organically. Mm. Pun sort of intended. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. That's I don't know. Thing. I like that. I See, we should have asked Jordan about this, because Jordan is a huge Beatles fan. Yeah. Sorry, Jordan. Sorry, Jordan. Anyway. Re- you know, tweet at us or email us which one you prefer, the Jimi Hendrix or Bob Dylan version. Ooh, good point. Uh, okay, so appeared on his... So, oh, yeah, so let's... That's all the fun facts about the man. <laughs> let's uh, let's get into the song. So, yes. it appeared on his 1967 album, John Wesley Harding. Mm-hmm. Uh, the album name comes from the Texas outlaw John Wesley Harden. The album was misspelled. Sick. So Dylan wrote songs for the album while recuperating after a motorcycle accident. Okay. And since the late 1970s, this has remained the most played song on his set list. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. And the song reached number five in the UK and 20 on the Billboard charts. Huh. So, what do we think about this song? I mean, I have to give credit where credit's due for it being, like, in existence via Bob Dylan, but I don't like this version. His version, Bob Dylan's version. Yeah. Thank you. No, because I, I was going to say, is this is Bob Dylan one of those people that you can't... No, fuck off. You can say you hate whoever... I don't, have to... I, don't, I don't hate Bob no, Dylan. No, but like, like, you know what I mean. Yeah. The, yeah. Wasn't when he got the Nobel Peace Prize or the Pulitzer, whichever one was the last one, wasn't he like super jaded about it? Ah, uh, I think he might have been. I can't remember. Mm. Mm. Um. Yeah, but all right. Back on the song though. No, I I'm with you there. I kind of hate this song. I don't know. Like, I've just never really vibed with Bob Dylan in general. There's a couple of songs of his that I really like, mm. but um, I don't know. This one, it's like, and we'll get into it, obviously, but like, you compare it to Jimi Hendrix's version, and it's just can't compare. I, I, yeah, I, I have a hard time enjoying the harmonica. And oh, okay. The harmonica in this is ear splitting, and oh. it doesn't, it doesn't come like it doesn't sound good to me. Like it's just. And it just sort of sounds like he's just kind of like a child going, like moving his head back and forth. Which I know he's not. I know he's actually doing, you know, whatever. But it's just, this is nails on a chalkboard to me. Like, right. get this out of my ears. Okay. It's just, it's too high and it's too... Okay, yeah. It's like bagpipes. I don't really appreciate the sound of bagpipes. Uh, bagpipes can go to hell. Um, I don't mind harmonica. But yeah, I can't say again. Like you just have such a good ear for picking up those things because, like, I'm aware that there was harmonica, but that, like, I just sort of registered, like, oh, hey, there's a harmonica, and that's it. Mm. <laughs> mm. I think just because I wasn't really vibing with the song in general. Yeah, and this was because I I know that that's the, the parody that he kind of sings a, a little bit of like this, and I was like, I had not really listened to Bob Dylan before. Except for, like, The Hurricane. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I guess, Blowing in the Wind. Like, The Hurricane, he doesn't really sound like that. It sounds like he's trying to sound a bit different or something. But this is the first time I, I listened to Bob Dylan and I was like, oh, actually, that parody is on point. Yeah. And it is that, that thing of, you know, we talked about it a couple of days ago, that episode of It's Always Sunny, which I think is your favourite episode, <laughs> yep. where they start bands. <laughs> and Charlie comes out of the the 
office and he's like wearing like a hat and a scarf and like who are you supposed to be Bob Dylan and when he starts singing he's like Damon Sneaky Means and, and it was like oh he is trying to do Bob Dylan yeah and it was like you know I only got that joke about 14 years too late oh did you only just register that and I kind of no I did kind of register yeah. it initially but it's like because I knew that that was the joke that that's what you know yeah oh okay Bob yeah Dylan yeah but it's sort of like. yeah I get you it was like, oh, wow, yeah, he does sound like that. And I couldn't listen to an entire album of that. No. That's the thing. I think it's an acquired taste. Like, there's a reason why people think he is a musical genius. I'm like, yeah, he did sort of forge a path in music. But if you don't enjoy that sort of style off the bat, then, yeah, you're not going to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's. I think it's just a, a matter of this isn't my thing. And yeah, exactly. Just, what is, is it folk? Is it bluegrass? What is this? Uh, I always sort of said folk, but I'm not sure. Yeah, and folk's never sat with me. Like it's never been one that that I've you know you know messed around with. It's just I don't know. It it starts off not very strong, and it doesn't really kick off anywhere else. Mm. Um. You know, I'm sure if we had a larger fan base, there'd be people that are upset at me over this. <clears throat> I don't really, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't appreciate it. I would have loved to have gotten my parents' opinion on this. Yeah. Um, just because they were teenagers at the time. That yeah. This came out. And I, yeah. Kicking myself because I have spoken to them in the last couple of days and I should have asked them their preferred version. That's but, all right. Yeah. Maybe they would have surprised us and said the Envy on the Coast version. <laughs> Sick. Yeah, like what is it about what is it about it for you that, that just doesn't resonate? It's just I think because I am so used to the Jimi Hendrix experience version. Mm. And so to me I tie that very cool like guitar lick sort of yeah. thing to it. But this one is just like eh. Yeah, and I knew I knew the Jimi Hendrix version before this. Yeah. As well. And I was like, oh, Jimi Hendrix did a cover of that? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. We have another episode like this at some point. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, we don't need to talk too far into the future. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just... I feel like this is a good organic spot to move on to, to the move Jimi... on. Yeah, let's move on. All right. So let's move on to the Jimi Hendrix experience. Yes. Be some kind of way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. Businessman there, to drink my wine, plow and dig my earth. None will let. take over the uh the notes yeah for, for jimmy and his band i will so although the band itself was called the jimmy hendrix experience we are going to focus on jimmy 
seeing as his page is longer than the band's. Yes. On Wikipedia, I presume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jimi Hendrix was born Johnny Allen Hendrix in 1942 and hailed from Seattle, Washington. Uh, he died in 1970, aged 27. Uh, as a child, he carried a broom around to emulate a guitar, which rules. Mm. I think we've all done that at one point. No, I just had a guitar. Well, excuse me, Mr. Money my, my first guitar was um, my dad's old boss was just throwing out his old, like, his old guitar. And it was, um, he was just like, does Sam want a guitar? Like, does Sam want to learn guitar? And I think mum and dad had an like had basically the same acoustic guitar that you have. Yeah. So I started on that and then his boss was like, does Sam just want the guitar? And dad was like, yeah. And it was just like this kind of like, it was a blue, I can't even remember the brand, but it was like, it was, it was shaped like a, a um, Fender Strat. Oh yeah. But yeah, it was just like this sort of like. Was it one of those sort of like knockoff ones that you could buy at like. Yeah. yeah. It would have been really cheap. Yeah. Even, even if it wasn't free. Um, yeah. Which it was. Yeah. But yeah, like that was my first guitar for like, I don't know, like two or three years. So. Well, shit, I guess. I'm alone with Jimmy on this one. Anyway. Uh, where am I? I am not wearing my glasses to give my eyes a break and I am regretting it. Uh, so Jimmy purchased his first acoustic guitar at the age of 15 for five bucks. So for us, that would be the equivalent of $44 as of 2019. Still a pretty good deal. I know. I'm trying to remember how much my acoustic one cost. I think it was like 80, 90 bucks or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first song he learned was the theme to the TV show Peter Gunn, which I did not know what that was until I asked you, and then I recognised it immediately. I didn't play it, I just went... Uh, 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 it's uh, it's when you did the... Yeah. I've written that I... In, you know, again, one of my bold notes, I love that Peter Gunn is still one of those songs a lot of people learn when they start out on guitar, because I learnt it, but obviously you didn't. I learned smoke on the water, but the one how you pinch like the two middle strings just do barrel 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 yeah. Um and then I didn't learn much after that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm fixing that. Anyway. Uh so Jimmy was fired from his first band for being too much of a show off on stage, so that's a bit rude. Yeah, I get that though. Like he was a bit of a show off. But like In a good way. Well, I wonder if his bandmates, when, like, Jimmy took off, were just like, ah, fuck. Like... Yeah, it's... I would be interested to know at what stage that first band was, though, because... Yeah, true. Like, if it was, like, when he was 25, it was like, eh, he only had two years left. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I don't think we need to talk about his death, really, do we? Uh, we don't have to if you don't want to. Oh, I don't know. It just seems a bit tacky. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, the... Can I also... Oh, just one last fact that didn't get put in there uh-huh. about Jimi Hendrix was he was left-handed, but yes. used a right-handed guitar, so he turned it over, and that's why when you watch him play, the uh, tuning pegs or forks or whatever are on the bottom. So, hold on. Oh, so, like, he used uh, just a, well, I guess, regular guitar, but flipped it the other yeah. way. Huh. Well, there you go. Yeah, because you're, you're a... I'm left-handed, but I just play a right-hand guitar right-handed. Well, with an acoustic guitar, that would just be, like, the... 
yours is just a very typical nylon string acoustic guitar, so it's probably just a any shape, like any hand kind of guitar. Like you can use it for left or right hand. Well, yeah, but I I guess it's the same as like a left-handed like pair of scissors or something, as opposed to just a pair of scissors. Like. Yeah, no, I, I think it's still the same thing. No, but that's what I'm like. Okay, so we're we're agreeing on it. Yeah, yeah, but like, I'm sure if I wanted to, I could get a left hand acoustic guitar if yes. I want and flip it. But like, yeah, <laughs> as a left handed person, I found growing up that it's just often easier to just do things right handed because it just saves a lot of hassle. <laughs> I had an ex-boyfriend who could not use right-handed or just normal scissors, and it kind of worried me a bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Did you know my grandma, my paternal grandma, is also left-handed, but the teacher at school tried to get her to write right-handed, but she defied it and she's still left-handed. Yeah. How cool is that? that? Is a, yeah, she's a cool lady. She is a cool but, lady. Yeah, it was something like, isn't the left-hand path like... The, oh, yeah, the it's the, the devil. Yeah, so it was, yeah. It was well, it's something like it's that, yeah, left-hand... Oh, I don't know, doesn't mm. matter. But it's, anyway... Your mum's left-handed as well, isn't she? My dad. Your dad. Yeah. Which makes sense, because... Well, not that I'm not, but yeah. Yeah. Just left hand is all the way down, baby. Well, fuck, I guess I better leave then. <laughs> Sorry, I guess I better left. Ah. So. About the song. Yes. So, the Jimi Hendrix Experience recorded their cover of All Along the Watchtower for their 1968 album, Electric Ladyland. I love that. I love a land of electric ladies. It is, like, doesn't roll off the tongue as well as I thought it would. For me, at least. But, like, that is very pleasing to say. Electric Ladyland. Electric Ladyland. You're listening to the smooth sounds of Electric Ladyland. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Hendrix's friend and Rolling Stones magazine founder, Brian... No. <laughs> Was that a joke? What? Hendrix's oh, the fuck me. Okay, okay. I was trying to paraphrase. Okay. Anyway, Hendrix's friend and founder of The Rolling Stones, the band, not Rolling Stone magazine. And it corrected itself. Brian, <laughs> not Brain. He's not Brain Jones. It's Brian Jones. It is now canon that Brain Jones headed Rolling Stone magazine <laughs> in this alternate universe where I'm right-handed and I play... A left-hand guitar, just because. Um, so yeah, Brain performed <laughs> or played various percussion instruments on this track. Um, yeah, do you want me to read this next bit out? Or just, essentially, <laughs> so he was, he's another member of the 27 Club. Yes. Which we should probably get into it just, you know, after we've discussed the facts. Yes. Uh, I mean, we might as well get into it now. Yeah? So the 27 Club. <laughs> yes. It's a whole bunch of actors and musicians that have no. passed away at the age of 27. Yes. 
So Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Kirk, Brain Jones, Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse. Yeah. Um, I think Anton Yelchin, the actor who was in, he was in like the new Star Trek movies. Oh, okay. Um, yep. Wasn't, was River, was River Phoenix mm, in it? Possibly. Or was I'm he maybe sure. a bit younger? I think he might have been a bit younger. I'm yeah, not like sure. maybe like 24 or something. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a, a, an interesting thing and a, yeah. This this club of, you know, well, I, I say air quotes club because it's not like they're sitting around doing anything. But yeah, mm. it's just sort of interesting. And especially like a lot of these people were dropping off at the same time, especially like, you know, the first four that I mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's a weird phenomenon. Like I must admit, when I turned 27 and then when I turned 28, I was like, woof, like... It feels like an ominous age by virtue of the 27 Club being a thing. I think I was like, yeah, when I turned 27, I was like, well, I've got a year. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a year to get famous. Like, really famous. Oh, no. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And so, was Brian Jones... Why is there a note here that says, also the band The Brian Jones Massacre, full stop? Because there's a band... Right. Called the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Ah, okay. After the Jonestown Massacre. Right. Yes. So he didn't found that. No, that... Jim Jones founded that. (laughs) No, I don't mean that... No, I don't... No, he didn't found the... the, He was dead before then, anyway. (laughs) He founded the Brain Jones Massacre. (laughs) And yes, I said Jones instead of Jonestown for a reason. Yeah, sure. This is really bad. We need to just keep going. Yeah. Anyway, we'll fix it up in post. It's fine. No, we won't. So, so, so yeah, the Jimi Hendrix Experience's cover of All Along the Watchtower was voted at number 47 on Brain Jones's Rolling Stone magazine's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time list. Uh, and funnily enough, number one was Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone. How much do you think it was It was purely because in the song title it says Rolling Stone? <laughs> like, come on. How coincidental is that? It's kind of like... It's not that good of a song. When, actually, no. So, like, do you think that Like a Rolling Stone then prompted the band the Rolling Stones to call themselves the Rolling Stones, which then prompted Rolling Stone magazine to call themselves Rolling Stone. Oh, no. Like, definitely not the Bob Dylan influencing the Rolling Stones, because they were definitely playing at the same time. Right. Um, so then... Do you... I get the feeling that Rolling Stone magazine and the Rolling Stones kind of got started, like, the same year? Almost? It just... I don't know. It, in the back of my mind, I know that they're separate, obviously, but, like... It's always felt like those, like one was definitely influenced by the other in terms of yeah. their name. And I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a term, Rolling Stone. Oh yeah, a Rolling Stone gathers no moss or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it's it can you know sort of talk about like the the rolling, like the the, the kind of like I don't know why cataclysmic is the word on my brain, but just like the success of music, how it's sort of like you know, like a stone rolling down the hill. Like, it, it's got so much momentum that it can't be stopped. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's like there's no. It's not called the Rolling Stones magazine, though. No, but and that's like I'm fully aware of that. But like I feel like one has to have influenced the other. One of these things is not like the other. Are you looking it up? I am looking it up. Okay. Um, I keep getting in my head. So it's like a Rolling Stone. I keep getting in my head though. I keep confusing it with like a rhinestone cowboy. Like a rolling stone. See, I just get that song from Almost Famous about being on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Yeah, and again, that's get not... Get all kinds of the thrill you'd never know. There's a yeah, thrill so... they'll get you when they take your picture for the cover of the Rolling Stone. Uh, so the first issue, and it's also an American magazine, the first issue was in 1967. Mm-hmm. Let's have a look at the Rolling Stones, because they were definitely, like, early 60s. Definitely early 60s. <laughs> this is making for great pod content, by the way. I don't care. Yeah, 1962. <laughs> so then, did Rolling Stone name themselves after the Rolling Stones? That's what I, like... Uh, it was founded in San Francisco. It was first known for its coverage of rock music and for political reporting by Hunter S. Thompson... Oh, of course. Good for them, I guess. Uh, in the 1990s... Why is Rolling Stone called... Yeah, that's probably a better idea. <laughs> These are the research skills you get from a master's degree, baby. Okay. According to... Hang on. I should probably... Oh, wait, no. Fuck, that's the band. No, I mean the magazine. Far out. The first issue was released on November 9th, 1967 and featured John Lennon in costume for the film How I Won the War on the cover. It was in newspaper format with a lead article. It doesn't say. What, like, this is really annoying me, actually. I didn't realise how much this pissed me off. Oh, hang on. You're probably wondering what we're trying to do. Okay, so this is... I don't know who said this, but this is a quote. You're probably wondering what we're trying to do. It's hard to say. Sort of a magazine and sort of a newspaper. The name (laughs) of it is Rolling Stone, which comes from an old saying. A rolling stone gathers moss. Gathers no moss. I was about to say. Muddy Waters used the name for a song he wrote. The Rolling Stones took their name from Muddy's song, Like a Rolling Stone. was the title of Bob Dylan's first rock and roll record. We have begun a new publication reflecting what we see are the changes in rock and roll and the changes related to rock and roll. Wow, okay. Cool. Cool. That That's a load off my mind, Can I guess. Can we please <laughs> move on? Look, I'm glad we figured that, like, okay, that's good. Let's go. What do you think of this one? <laughs> I think that they should have named their number one song as on the cover of the Rolling Stone. <laughs> I know that would be very because it's just like they're just they're just taking the piss with that one. Um, this version rules. Yeah, this it version rocks is, ass, and it's like it's it's less than a year later. It's it's that that opening guitar riff, like kicks you in in stuff, like kicks you in the the balls. Like it's <laughs> you know it. <laughs> It doesn't have any, like, there's no, like, harmonica playing over the top of it. And it's, I don't know, like, it's just, it just, it rules. And yeah. it's, like, his voice comes in and it's all bassy and, um, yeah, and this is the more iconic version, I would say. This is the, this is the version of the song. Yeah. 
Um, you know, like I'm sure that there there are probably more examples of it, but you know, this is one of those cases where I feel like the cover is more famous than the original. Yeah, um, I'd say so. Yeah, and I, you know, I saw somewhere I don't remember the exact quote, but I'm pretty sure Bob Dylan was, you know, a fan of it as well. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, no, I would uh, uh, counter my statement with uh, Johnny Cash's Hurt, originally done by Nine Inch Nails. Right. I would say that's probably bigger than the Nine Inch Nails version. Um, yeah, I don't know. You give some thoughts so I can think of it. I got distracted by getting punched in the balls. Oh my god. Yeah, no, I think, like, it just, it has swagger, like, yeah, it has attitude, it's one of those ones where if you hear it in a music soundtrack, it's like, yes, yeah. like, it, it's just cool, like, it's very, like, this is sort of the epitome of Jimi Hendrix's era of music and just, like, his talent, yeah. well, not epitome, but, like, up there. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it necessarily was. I don't think it really was. Because I think there's, like, talks of there were, like, maybe Bible verses or something in the song lyrics. But, like, this feels like kind of a cool protest song or, like, a cool counterculture song. Like, it Mm. feels like it's... It feels like it's arguing against something. I don't know what yet, but I'm with you in the argument. (laughs) Sure. I'll I'll argue this with you. Like I'll uh, I'll you know add my voice to yours. You know what I mean, though. Um, I do. I mean, like, I I think it's probably appropriate to like try and learn what the message is before saying like yes. <laughs> um, but no, I'm looking at the lyrics on Genius at the moment, and yeah, one annotation. Like, just off the top, they say, uh... So, the Joker and the Thief might be references to the lower class of society. Those characters have an archetypal significance, which historically gives them a low position in society. Their search for a way out may be less about their particular pain and hardships connected to being in the lower class, and more about finding themselves in a world where they are not powerful. Given that they are not the most upstanding tr- characters in traditional society, they may also be running from those with power. This song has been connected to Isaiah 21 in the Bible. Verses 6 to 7 say, For thus the Lord said to me, Go, post a lookout, let him announce what he sees. When he sees riders, horsemen and pairs, riders on donkeys, riders on camels, let him listen diligently, very diligently. Look, here they come, riders, horsemen and pairs. Isaiah is writing from the perspective of the oppressed and exiled Israelites. The entire chapter broods over the doom of Babylon, the empire at the time, the oppressor. They may be the pair of riders coming to the watchtower. The characters of the Joker and the Thief also provide allusion to the two criminals hanging beside Jesus in Luke 23. One of the criminals ridicules and mocks Jesus in a joking sort of way. The other criminal is traditionally described as a thief. Both are looking for a way off the cross out the hands of the Roman Empire. Yeah. Yeah. There so, you go. Do you think... Um, do you think Wolf Mother... I'm not going to say stole, but like... You know their song, The yeah, Joker and the Thief? I hate that song so much. And it's like... If so, that's more reason for me to just dislike Wolf Mother. I remember being... I remember the one big day out that I went to. And this was... 
before they were very popular. Before woman was like yeah. every time you saw a woman in a fight scene in a movie for the next ten yeah. years, they had to play woman by Wolf Mother. They got their money from that. Mm. Um, but I remember going to Big Day Out with my brother, and yep. we were we were in I think it was in the drinking tent or something. Yeah, and yeah, we could just hear this band playing, and he's like. And I can just, like, he's, like, my brother's got, like, the pinched face, kind of like, <laughs> this band's trying to sound like Led Zeppelin. Yep. But they don't sound terribly good. No, they were famous for a hot second, and then they kind of just disappeared a bit. Yeah, yeah, they weren't my bag. No. I remember enjoying Mind's Eye at the time, but good lord, like, even back then, like, it aged very quickly for me. What was with our bands and it was just like let's do throwbacks to mm. this is like jet basically did th- like wolf mother did throwbacks to yeah led zeppelin and i guess Jimi hendrix and that sort of thing mm. jet just did throwbacks to the beatles um mm. fucking airborne was just acdc <laughs> like so many of our bands were just throwbacks to older music I mean, like, we're sort of at the arse end of the world, so, like, it makes sense that we would emulate stuff that filters through to us, like, potentially later than... Yeah, but these were all bands in the mid-2000s when we when we had, like, fully capable internet connections. Yeah. I don't know. That whole sort of nostalgia retro thing. I guess it's that thing of, like, we go ahead, well, we go back 30 years every 30 years or whatever. It's like, we sort of, like, mm. you know... We always sort of repeat ourselves eventually. Yeah. In the styles of music and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, again, back to this song. <laughs> it's been about eight minutes since we've discussed it. I know. Um, yeah, it just rules. I don't know. Like, it should just be on every m- movie soundtrack. And I think what I like so much about it is it feels effortless. Yeah. No, that's a good way to put it. Like, just... I can sort of picture Jimmy and his band just sort of like, uh, like just sort of casually like ripping out like the sick like guitar riff, like it's no thing. Yeah, I mean he was a wizard on the guitar. Yeah. Um, and then just like the sort of vocal like infle- like, like the fact that like the genius lyrics for this they sort of annotate like when he sort of says like well uh but uh like just mm. like it's just so casually delivered as well i really like that i mean it's probably pretty close to how he talked as well yeah i like that it's just that sort of relaxed kind of yeah it's cool there's a real art to making it look super casual yes without seeming bored yeah and it doesn't seem bored at all because i mean it was less than a year since the, you know the original came out um, and it was just, yeah, it was huge. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's something interesting that I've really should have looked into, um, about, you know, bands from, you know, back in the sixties and seventies that did a lot of like, they would cover other people's songs. Mm. It was a pretty, it was a pretty common thing to be covering another band. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, so I won't talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, Cool, so we are risking this being a very long episode, so shall we just go on to Envy on the Coast? Yes, let's do it.
So they formed in Long Island, New York, in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, their Facebook page seems to be more about leading you to their other music project, Violent Joy. And mm-hmm. the page does not capitalize the V and the J in Violent Joy. I mean, that's a style choice. And that's basically all I could really find after, you know, Wikipedia, Facebook, Google. Okay. Um, it was just sort of one of those bands, I think, just kind of came and went. And yeah. They're still around, but they're just, yeah, like... Yeah, I got that impression. Like, I looked them up on Spotify and listened a little bit to them. And yeah, like, it looks as if their career... Like, they did a lot of, like, sort of EP releases as opposed to, like, full length. Yeah. Potentially. Um, so you did the thing that I usually do, but I didn't do it this week. I know. You listened to some of their other stuff. What was their... What would you say their other stuff was like? I like it. Like, yeah. within the... Because, con- like... Well, I'm jumping ahead a bit, but, like, at first I was sort of like, ah, oh, okay, like, all things considered, like, why did they bother doing this cover when it is quite close to the original? But then, within the context of their overall sound, it makes sense that they picked okay. this and did it, like... See, that's interesting because, and that's probably what me having a listen to their other stuff would have benefited me, because I listened to it and went, oh, it kind of has that early sort of 2000s kind of rock band sort of sound mm. um early to mid 2000s and it was like that that effect on the on the vocals that kind of echoey yeah um i'm sure every you know band like the killers and muse was a bit earlier than them but like you know what i mean you know bands like that yeah at some point use that effect on their vocals yeah um and it was kind of like, it was kind of like, almost like, so they do like a heavier version of Jimi Hendrix who does a heavier version of Bob Dylan. Yeah, that's version. a good, like it's sort of like a rolling stone. Like the, It the dis- gathered momentum. <laughs> there you go. Coming um, back to it. Like but, like Rolling Stone magazine. Exactly. From the, fr- the, from the brain of Brain Jones. Um, so yeah, I had a listen to their second album low country which was released in 2010 and yeah i enjoyed it like yeah i can see why they were slash are sort of like a flash in the pan kind of thing like um yeah based on spotify it looks like they released a couple of songs in may 2020 which is cool but like they yeah their presence feels a bit sort of temporary or like sporadic almost but like yeah, I like it. I can sort of... I get the impression that the lead singer definitely was inspired by Adam Lazera from Taking Back Sunday. Okay, like, just the yeah. vocal delivery, that sort of thing. Like, especially, like, the way he'll sort of do his screams and that kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, like, it's just sort of, like, good, solid rock music. And it kind of... It's really annoying. I can't remember the name of them. But there's this band that I was super into... When I was younger, that was founded by one of the members of the Academy is. And again, it was just that thing of like, they weren't particularly, like, weren't anything to write home about. And I don't think they ever really went super far, but like, they were sick. Like, they were just good, solid rock. Yeah. So I feel like if I'd listened to Envy on the Coast as a teen, I would have really fucked with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's really annoying. I'm trying to remember what that band was called. But, yeah. Why don't you Wikipedia 
the Academy is and then go from Associated Acts. This is a very good point. Well done. Um, yeah, no, I. it was one of those ones I kind of listened to it and, yeah, like, I don't know, I, I liked it more on a second listen. The first one it was just kind of like, ah, uh, yeah, it's taken me back to that time and I don't really know if I necessarily want to go back to that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and... But then, like, yeah, like, as I said, like, the, the guitars are crunchier, and um, it's kind of one of those ones that, though I don't want to, yeah, it would make me sound really hypocritical, because I have ragged on bands that just do the cover of the song. Yeah. But it does do enough to put their stamp on it, to, to, yes. to show you this is who Envy on the Coast is. Yeah. And... And I heard that more on the second and the third and the fourth listen. You know, yep. I was getting more of that. Um, you know, it's not just like a band doing Queen and just doing Queen. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's all good. Did you find out who it was? No. It's what, like, again, I just sort of feel like I'm losing touch with the reality. It's like, did they exist? But I know they did. Uh... Well... Do we have any other thoughts on Envy on the Coast? No, just that I'm keen to keep listening to them. Yeah, um, and yeah, just see where it takes me. Like, it's just, it's fun, good music. Yeah. Um, we got one more cover this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but it's I believe it's something along the lines of... His name is Michael Angelo Batio. Sick. play guitar for the glam metal band Nitro. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's just a pretty standard... So he does the guitar for this one, um, but it's kind of like he's sort of, you know, known amongst the guitar circles, especially, you know, the shredding metal kind of circles. Yeah. Um, and he's just one of those people that sort of does his own thing. So like how, you know, Travis Barker had a solo album. Yeah. Um, that was just, you know... He drummed and then got other people to perform. Slash did a solo album, and I think that's how he found out that he liked the guy from Alter Bridge, and that's who does the oh, yeah. Slash's, you know, outside of Guns N' Roses stuff. Um, and so, yeah, so this guy, Michelangelo Batio, Batio, um, is he, his gimmick, I would say, is that he uses a dual guitar. Mm-hmm. In that it's dual, as in the number two, but it's not like you know the standard, you know, neck on top of a neck. Yeah. Where you know ones, and that that serves a purpose because one is a twelve string and one's a six string. Um, 
This is shaped like a W or a V. It's basically like the the necks are <laughs> you know on opposite ends, and it's very gimmicky what he does. And it's kind of like it's uh, look. I'm not going to I'm not going to take away the skill and the time that it must have taken to learn this to learn yeah. how to play like this. It's a lot of it's a lot of tapping. It's a lot of pull pull ons and pull offs and hammer ons pull offs and. <laughs> Um, you know, all that sort of stuff, like trills and that sort of thing. It's a lot of that. Uh, again, very talented. But it's kind of like watching the Harlem Globetrotters do their thing, which is, again, they're very talented. But if you put them in a real basketball match with an actual opponent who is trying to beat them, an actual NBA team that is, you know, Olympic level basketball players would the Harlem Globetrotters with their shtick be able to beat an actual basketball team and the, the answer is probably no right would this guy really like doing this thing be able to like do you know doing like the the fancy stuff would it work would it translate to that in a band I don't know because I don't I haven't really seen it um you know when he's when he's playing just a regular guitar, he is incredibly fast on it. Yep. Uh, and yeah, incredibly talented. But yeah, I just, I just found, I, I was looking through other covers and there are a lot of other bands that have covered this song. Like, um, Lenny Kravitz has covered this song. U2 has covered this song. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to talk about U2. Nah, fuck that. But then like looking through like the list of like YouTube videos and this came up and it was, you know, I saw this guy, you know, 13 years ago with doing his double guitar thing I was like oh man I really want to talk about him yeah I yeah like when you showed me the video I was kind of like oh, okay so he's kind of like Steve Vai sort of thing like yeah. the idea of look how good I am at guitar yes and it always like I know that people make a career out of that but it kind of blows my mind when people do like when they are a musician without being like the I don't know. It's it, I would say more along the lines of like Ingmi Ing Ingvi Malmstein, Ingve, however mm. you say it, and like Joe Satriani, the yeah. sort of exhibitionist guitarist. Yeah. 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 It's I don't know. I always I'm not sure why, but like it's funny sort of seeing solo artists who are not the vocalist of their own project. Yeah doing things like and i know like that it's there's no reason why that shouldn't make sense but like i don't know it's kind of like if i don't know like fucking yeah like joe troman from fallout boy became like a solo artist and like like i get why it would work but i also don't anyway well does like frank iero does he sing in his band he does okay so yeah, yeah so that makes sense um I guess, like, I mean, at some point, Fall Out Boy was Pete's band when he was the bassist. That's true. And he wasn't the singer. Like, but, he like, sing. yeah. And he was even... But, like, he wasn't touring under, like, the Pete Wentz experience. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but but you know what I mean, though? Like, at a certain point, like, there was a point, and I'm not even the Fall Out Boy fan, but I can I could see, like, even in film clips, yeah. he was the focal point of the film clips. Yeah. He was the band for a point. It was like, you're the bass player, dude. Yeah. Um, and it could have been, a, it could have been, I think it was a matter of, he had a lot of magnetism. He was very good looking. 
and maybe Patrick just didn't have that confidence in mm. himself at that point. And then, yeah. and then when they got back together, it was like, okay, no, this is Patrick's band now. Fuck yes. Yeah. But this isn't a Fallout Boy cast, as much as I would love for it to be. Um, as much as I'm glad it's not. But yeah, I like this cover. Like Yes. Yeah. It's... I don't know. Yeah. Like, interesting that this exists and, like... The gimmick of like the ridiculous guitars and stuff, but Which like I don't think he's doing in this. No, but yeah, but yeah like it's good. <laughs> I, I I actually applaud it for being kind of as restrained as it is as well because I can yeah. see this being a load of wank. I can yeah. see this being so self-aggrandizing. Look at how good I am, but it's not. It it doesn't go to that level. Yeah, he doesn't showboat. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, cool. I'm glad that we're on the uh, same showboat there. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. So, <laughs> we've got three songs that we've got to hell yeah or yeah, nah. All right, let's do this. Uh, I'm going to give a yeah, nah. <sighs> That's kind of... I feel harsh for saying yeah, nah to the original song, to Bob Dylan's song. But I honestly, I went so many years without realising that he did the original song. I went yeah. so many years thinking all along the Watchtower was just an awesome original Jimi Hendrix song. Mm. Um, so yeah, now fuck it, I'm going to give it a yeah, nah. <laughs> I'm going to give the Jimi Hendrix experience a hell yeah. Yep. And Emmy on the Coast, yeah, like they put in a solid effort, and I got to see who they are as a band. So hell yeah to them as well. Yeah. I give yeah, I give Bob Dylan a yeah. Like, with a question mark. I give the Jimi Hendrix experience a hell yeah. And I give Envy on the Coast a hell yeah. And also, the band I was thinking of before is called Empires. Ah, okay. Yes. There so you go. That, that feels resolved. Now, between that and the Rolling Stone conundrum, I feel a lot better. Well... This has been good. <laughs> this, this has been. It's been therapeutic. Yeah, I to has. say that I don't like Bob Dylan. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's nothing mic. anyone can do about it. Yeah, I mean, I could edit myself not saying that, but nah. I'm not going to. So, we are going to leave you now, kind listener, and we're going to let our past selves take over for the rest of the episode. Yes. Um, excuse the, uh, the, the sound issues. We weren't recording on a windy hill, but there was something going on there. But, you know, it's... Um, it is what it is. You get what you're given, you get and you're gonna like it. Yeah. But um, massive thank you to Jordan for taking some time out of his Saturday evening to chat with us. Yes. It's always a pleasure catching up with him. It's also really weird recording at nine a.m. here. I know. Yeah. It's so worth it though. Like, oh yeah. Just ah, uh, yeah. He will be back. Yeah, he will. And I'm not gonna do an Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. That just shows you how serious I am. All right. Okay. But until next time, keep rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. So we at Punk Goes Pod HQ are very privileged and very lucky to welcome back friend of the pod, Jordan Banks. Hello. Hey guys, glad to be back. 
yes, that was, this is a very natural introduction as if we haven't just had 10, 15 minutes of tech issues. I think what you mean by Punk Goes Pod HQ is Punk Goes Pod high quality. This is true. Right, right. The highest quality. Oh, thank H- you. HSQ. I suspect I'm going deaf at a relatively young age, so pardon me both to you, Jordan, and to our listeners if there's just a lot of me going, what? Sorry? Um, sure. Well, in the block noise that we had about five to ten seconds ago didn't probably help with that. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So... I was listening to a podcast the other day where they obviously had the same sort of like lag and then it synced up completely wrong. So it was just like minutes of silence punctuated with like both of them talking over each other at the same time. And somehow it just seemed appropriate for the time that we are in at the moment. I was just like, this is strangely soothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we can aim for that a little bit if you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, I'm sure we probably don't have to try. It'll end up being some sort of weird overlap. But enough preamble. We are very excited to announce, and we prematurely announced it on our previous episode, that Jordan is releasing a new album very soon. Um, Do you want to give us a little bit of a spiel as to what we can expect from it? Sure, yeah. Well, the, the record itself, the full record, comes out August 14th. The first single came out um, on, gosh, what was it? July 24th, I think. Yeah. Um, and the next one comes out, what is to us right now, this next Friday, which is the, uh, August 7th, I believe. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, and then the record itself comes out on the 14th. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's nine songs, if you want to call all of them songs. There's a couple poems that a friend of mine wrote specifically for the record but I just kind of thought I wanted something a little differently a different that would kind of fit thematically with it um, so that's uh, that's a little different than what I have done in the past but um, kind of the the brief soundbite that I've been giving people is it's a record about death that I wrote mostly before I was worried about it yeah um, which at this point I'm very yeah, I was for a little while, and that's mostly past. Uh, but yeah, but it was kind of interesting just how a lot of the songs were kind of about that, um, and then like I went through a brief phase of kind of some death anxiety and was like, "Holy shit, I've been writing about this and didn't even realize it." Um, so yeah, it's funny. Like it's always sort of interesting to step back like however far removed from when you produce something or when you interact with like a stressful kind of time and to realize how much it affected you. And you might not necessarily have realized if that makes sense. Like a couple of years ago, like I had a surgery that just sort of came out of nowhere and on the surface I was like, okay, like very stressed, but that's cool. And then I sort of looked back at the event a few months past and realized I'd been reading a lot about like preparing to die and like what happens on the other side and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not spiritual at all. Like it was all just very practical advice and like just musings on death. But yeah, I didn't realize just how strongly that death anxiety had really kicked in until afterwards. I was like, oh shit, that was quite bleak. Can I tell a funny story about that? Of course. So we were talking with the surgeon who was going to 
you know, do the operation on you. And, and I was nervous myself. I was very nervous because, you know, this was the first sort of big operation that either of us had had in this relationship. You've had a, you know, your heart surgery when you were four, but you're getting talked to by the surgeon. And I'm like, I can't even remember what I said, but it was just basically like, so you've done this before, right? He's like, well, yeah, I'm a liver surgeon. <laughs> basically just being like, yeah, like, shut up. I know my job. <laughs> it was all very sweet, but it was, yeah. And I, like, I would have been the same, but I think you were just like, oh, so like, how confident are you? That's right. I asked how confident the liver surgeon was. <laughs> he was just like, I am a liver surgeon. I am very confident. I've been doing this for, for 25 years. I'm pretty confident. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> enough about I'm, my liver. I love that. But, uh, well, uh, what was funny for me was um, I went to I went to a, what's called Yin Yoga. I mean, I'm not a yoga guy, so like, may, I hope I don't sound condescending when I'm saying that because no, maybe, maybe a lot of people are like, oh yeah, we know what Yin Yoga is, idiot. You don't have to explain. It. <laughs> um, but it's basically like I guess it's like a it's like yoga, but instead of it doesn't really feel like exercise because you just get in a position and then stay in that position for like five minutes at a time. Yeah. Super relaxing. Um, so I had gone to one of those classes before and this was the second one I'd gone to. And for some reason, my mind just all of a sudden was like, Hey, you're going to die. Um, and I hadn't, and and not like immediately, it wasn't like you're going to die tonight. It was just like, just so you know, like sometime in the future, you're going to die. Um, and that had always been, I guess, maybe so more of like an abstract idea before. Yeah. Um, and I grew up in the church. So like death is, you know, it's like, oh, it's just the start of the new journey. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a church person anymore and I don't believe those things. Um, and so, yeah, that really freaked me out to be like, oh, shoot. All of my experiences are just going to like disappear. And yeah. I'm not, not going to matter anymore. So there is, I think there is one song on the record that I wrote after that. Um, but all, most of the rest of the songs were written before. Um, so yeah. it's, uh, it's certainly not a feel good record. No. <laughs> in saying that though, like it's, there is a certain level of comfort in it. Like I have been, cause yeah, as we had a little, pre-recording chats like as I mentioned there we are sort of on the cusp of like a pretty tough lockdown who knows in Melbourne Mm. and so yeah I'm getting very acquainted with our balcony which measures maybe what 2.5 meters by 1.5 meter yeah if that it's pretty small (laughs) and yeah just a lot of like lying in the sun listening to albums on repeat and yeah we've been very lucky to have received an advanced well you say advanced copy um we have the google drive link (laughs) to tell my wife i love her and yeah it's very comforting music for the time we're in and i think a lot of the somewhat like self-designated like quarantine recordings like those recordings that are to do with that kind of anxiety surrounding where we are at the moment like there is a very yeah a very distinct sense of like for the first time feeling like, yes, we are actually in this together because all our politicians are saying that or most of them, but like, yeah, you see people out there who seem to be coping just fine. So it's really nice to be able to immerse yourself in a record where 
you're on the same wavelength as that other person, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And I'm glad to hear that that's the case. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, I, I experience my emotions and express my emotions through music. So um, mm-hmm. it's the only way that I could find a way to get through some of that, some of that stuff. When my ghost goes haunting that it's kind of a downer as far as you know records go so uh, mm-hmm. i've been working on the follow-up and my hope is to have it done and out by the end of the year but a couple days ago i was like i should i should get it done and release it digitally on the same day um, I, don't, I don't think i can do that um, <laughs> but well in that case it, we'll let you get off this call bye <laughs> uh, so but yeah, I, I, the, the lyrical content of the new songs isn't any happier, but the music itself is. So uh, hopefully that. Uh, how exciting! It's been a really good like I've I've listened to it while playing the new video game Ghost of Tsushima. And oh yeah, and so like in that like it's so like basically the the more people that you kind of you know kill in it, it's you know not pleasant to say, but like the worse the weather gets oh. in the game. So it's like listening to it in like in like tenth century Japan while like just buckets of rain are like hitting me and it's like dark and it's like, okay, this is actually really good mood setting music <laughs> for that. Great. I will I will put that as a little blurb on the band camp. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting two very distinct like experiences. Like sun soaked balcony sessions versus murdering everyone I see in my path in 10th century feudal Japan. But I love it though. Yeah. Like, it, it, works, it works perfectly with it. <laughs> I remember last time we spoke, Jordan, um, you mentioned like, oh, bear with me, my memory is absolutely shot, but the collab record that you did in quarantine yeah. with your friends, I remember you mentioning that you had recorded at least one track or that then realized perhaps it was a little bit too quality to like offer up immediately. Yeah. Is that yeah, one that, of the tracks that we can expect on Tell My Wife I Love Her? It is, yeah. It's, it's That's the song. I think it's called How Dare You. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. Oh. Cause, yeah, that one to me was an immediate standout. Like, because from the solitude of our balcony, I was texting Sam through the window being like, <laughs> oh, I really love this one song. So... 
yeah, that was an immediate standout. I can completely understand why you would want to earmark that one for a later release. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm glad you agree. It felt yeah it felt when I was writing it. I've listened to it a bit since, and I thought that maybe some of the lyrics are a little ambiguous, but um, overall, still still pretty close to that. So, in terms of the poems throughout, just to completely sidetrack i feel like i'm just rattling off questions but in reality it's just because it's 9 31 a.m on a sunday and i haven't quite figured out how to be a human yet sure um <laughs> the poems that you mentioned um yeah so they appear on is it a drying out and emergent spring was that the two that's correct yep yes oh nailed it um yeah your friend do you like it's kind of tricky to speak on behalf of your friend, but did they, like, did you essentially brief them on what you were doing and they wrote to that or were they things that they wrote organically that resonated with you? Like, is there much of a backstory behind the two poems being offered us? So I know, I know for sure that Emergent Spring, uh, the poem for that was written specifically for the record. Um, yeah. I don't know for sure if the poem used in a drying out was written specifically for it or not. What happened with that was, um, so the, I had, a, at one point when I was working on the last track on the record, um, I did a version of it where the guitars were super overdriven and gone into feedback and I thought it was really pretty. And so mm-hmm. originally that track was going to be the poem over just those guitars. Um, and wow, I sent yeah. the music and I told him, I gave him like just a super brief synopsis of um, kind of the mood that I was shooting for, for the record. And it wasn't even close to being finished yet. So it probably changed somewhat after it. Um, but within like two or three hours, he sent me the poem and I was at work when I got it. Um, and like, I got glassy eyed at the desk at work because I was like, this is so perfect. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean like, just that first time reading it, it just kind of gave me chills. Um, yeah. And I asked him if he would be up for performing it himself, um, just to make sure that like I got the actual pacing of the performance down and everything. Um, mm-hmm. So he, I think he just recorded it on his iPhone and sent it to me. And, um, it just, but then when I got it, I was like, this, this is too beautiful and works too well to be to go over these weird reused guitars. So I ended up writing some new music for it that I felt like fit better. Um, and then uh, Emergent Spring came about because when I got closer to finishing the record, I felt like it'd be nice to maybe bookend it with another poem. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned that to him and I was like, you know, let's go for the same mood, but maybe just about 20% more hope. <laughs> um, <laughs> can like, I ask? Real- Sorry. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, can I ask what at what stage did you decide in Emergent Spring that you were going to reverse the? Is it the percussion that's the only thing that's reversed, or is it the entire like instruments that's that's like played in played backwards essentially? So, so um, I originally I just had so what it is is it's. Um, the strings or the strings arrangements from uh, the song Cycles um, oh, elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Yep. And the horns from that as well. And originally it was just those as is. Um, but that, again, kind of felt like cheating a little bit. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, 
I'm a horrible drummer. Um, so I set up some mics and um, I sat down and just kind of like thrashed on them in a way that felt inappropriate to go over top of those strings. Um, uh-huh. And then I used Pro Tools to kind of like um, cut up, cut the drums up and make them absolutely fit to the grid timing wise. But then was like, I'm not even going to like mess with crossfading and making them sound good. I'm going to let them be like all chopped up and everything. Um, and then, then I started to screw around with, um, I just cut up individual sections of each of the different tracks and would either like speed them up, slow them down, reverse them. So they all at various points get reversed or sped up, but not, none of them all at the same time. Um, and that is to kind of try and be a little disorienting. Yeah. Like, yeah. the mood of that poem is like, okay, we can be a little bit more hopeful, but also recognize that, like, there's still a lot going on. And even when, you know, even when or if this COVID thing ends up behind us, um, yeah. it doesn't magically mean, oh, okay, cool, everything's fine again. And uh, the, the reality is we're, we've still got so much chaos. And, uh, I don't know. I don't want to get too pretentious either. But... Oh, but you're absolutely right like the yeah for me the thing that springs to mind is when slash or probably leaning towards if we come out the other side like we need to ensure that we actually learn something from it and do better next time but then yeah it's been like the springboard for so many other things to emerge and like for the veneer to sort of fall off or tarnish or whatever of Mm what we know to be normal and acceptable. So yeah, there's still so much to do. Like we can be hopeful, but it needs to sort of go beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. Not pretending that, because uh, the reality is everything wasn't fine before this. Ah, exactly. Mm. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of the thought there. And I was really happy to uh, like for that one, I had my parents read the poems um, yeah. so the voices on there are my mom and dad uh, oh wow and that was that was pretty cool to have on there as well so. oh that's yeah. so sweet I love that yeah oh, wow if you play the drums forward do they say something satanic <laughs> uh yeah uh huh yeah. um, I won't tell you what it is you'll have to buy the record and- <laughs> oh, <okay. All> right. <laughs> I love a good easter egg exactly yeah can't give it all away (laughs) um so for you jordan what other not that there should be tracks you like more than others but is there like a standout track or tracks in terms of the process that went into it or the end result or just one that you hold particularly dear that we should keep an eye and an ear out for um so another thing that i think is kind of interesting is uh this is maybe a little goofy but uh, for probably like 15 maybe even 20 years now um, one of my best friends and I every year on our birthdays we write each other a song for our birthdays I, maybe oh. I even talked the last time I talked to you I can't remember um, but it's a tradition that we have um, and so actually the song Your Soul is Sonic um, yep. my friend Adam actually wrote that that was my birthday song this year um, and I just loved it. I was like, he he writes one song a year, and it's my birthday song. Uh, but somehow they're always really great. Uh, 
So, uh, so I, I learned how to play it like that night. I got my guitar out and figured out how to play it and recorded a simple version and sent it back to them, um, to the other guys. Uh, yep. and, um, and I was like, Adam, would you be cool if I actually like put this on the next record? Um, and he was like, yeah, I would love that. So I ended up, he, he played bass on the song and then, uh, my friend Dwayne, who is the other guitarist in the, in our old band, which was called years. Um, and still kind of exists to some extent. Um, he played guitar on it as well. Um, so it was almost kind of like weird how it's like kind of a year song on my record and I didn't write it. Adam did. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was That's just, awesome. he wrote it as kind of like a comfort because th- that was in the midst of me kind of going through that death anxiety and I was pretty honest with them. Um, and yeah. so looking at it through that lens and thinking about those lyrics through the lens of like my bud was basically telling me like I don't know what's going to happen but your music is is your soul and um, like that just I was like damn that is uh, like a more beautiful metaphor for it than I could ever come up with Aww. that's so, so lovely yeah I really love that song what other records you've been listening to outside of I guess your own stuff in the terms of putting together Tell My Wife I Love Her are there any records that have stood out for you in the last couple of months that have kept you company while we're sort of navigating our way through these uncertain times with a capital U, capital C, capital T yeah, sure. um, so uh, we have, we've talked about it through email and tweets I believe but uh, the new Phoebe Bridgers record um, came oh. out and um, yes. yeah, I love it. I, I still don't know if I honestly uh, on the same day that that came out, the newest Phantom Planet record came out, um, and oh, I yes since you know high school, um, and yes. it's just as good as anything they've done before. Um, just Alex Greenwald, I think, is such an amazing writer. Um, so I've maybe really been listening to that record a lot. Mm-hmm. In some ways, that's been kind of inspiring for what I'm working on now for this follow-up record because, uh, like, it's a record of, about his breakup with Brie Larson, but still manages manages to have some like 
really incredibly poppy songs on it. Wow, uh, yeah. It's, you know, kind of kind of strange. Um, I did want to, I actually wanted to talk to you about the Taylor Swift record. Um, yes, please. I'm going to be careful, though, because... Uh, so first, first, first impression, I like it. I think it's good. Um, yeah. Something that I think is funny is I listened to it for the first couple of days I listened to it. I didn't realize I was listening to the edited version. Um, oh, gotcha. At first I was like, wait, is this the actual version? And there's just like blanks where she would have swore, sworn, sworn. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and and I almost liked that idea, um, where it was like making you fill in those words yourself. Um, but then I realized an unedited version, and I listened to it, and that actually feels weird to me because it feels weird to hear to hear Taylor Swift say "fuck you forever," or "yes," would you tell me to go fuck myself? <laughs> and uh, she is absolutely, you know, allowed to write about whatever she wants, and I am. Who am I to criticize? It just sounds funny to hear her say those things when you never heard her say them before. Um, yeah, it's sort of like a dog wearing clothes. Like, it's, I'm all for it, but it is quite weird to encounter. Yeah, totally. I like to, I somewhat imagine her, like, sitting in the room while she was writing it and being like, guys, I'm going to put fuck in a song. Um, which, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, Taylor, do it. You know exactly. It feels good sometimes. <laughs> um, don't hold yourself back. So exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I do like it so far. I ordered, you know, I ordered a copy of it on vinyl. Um, so oh, excellent, very good. At some point it will come. I think I like it better than the last record. Um, yeah, definitely. So I'm I'm excited to to you know, give it some more listens. Um, Let's see. What is the other? So the other, I, this I can't even claim to have listened to a full record by this band. My friend Chuck sent me an Instagram video of some like phenomenal drummer playing over top of. Um, have you ever heard of the band The Japanese House? I know the name, but I've never actually listened to them. I had never heard of them before, and I, I think it's mostly just like the project of um, the main girl who sings in it. Um, but right. uh, she, he sent me this video of this drummer playing over top of a song called Face Like Thunder. And I can't, still, like, for the last five days, I've listened to that song probably at least 20 or 25 times a day. Um, and I keep thinking, I need to listen to the rest of the record. And I start to play another song. I'm like, I kind of just want to hear that one again. Um, <laughs> yeah. That a lot. And I've also been watching, like, there's a YouTube video of her drummer just playing the part and like they have his drums mixed a lot higher and you can just watch him and I'm like how does someone get that good oh wow that's been that's been driving me forward as well so yeah quite an eclectic mix what have you guys been listening to Sam I'll let you go first because I can I mean it's just mostly death metal (laughs) (laughs) any new releases the the new Black Dahlia Murder album just keeps keeps popping up in my rotation yeah um the band lantern mm-hmm. uh the new bell witch with the it's like bell witch with a guy um oh, i can't remember what his, what his act is called it's like stygian something mm-hmm. um but yeah bell witch is a favorite of mine they did a 80 minute long song and they just called it an album 
Oh, like, yeah, I remember you talking about Mirror that. Reaper. And yep. I saw them live, and they were, and it was like, yeah, it's, it's just slow and sad, and, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my favorite NoFX record is the which is just that 18 minute long song. Um, yes. Just, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I love things like that. You know, it's funny. I, um, I, uh, I'm, one of the songs I'm working on, and um, on a whim, I was like, I might want to have a black metal vocalist scream so i found a guy online but then i had to i I, i'm not a huge metal guy like i'm aware of the different names of the different types but i don't necessarily know what the difference between or at least i didn't know what the difference between like death metal and black metal was Um, i looked it up and i i found like i got a brief answer that explained the difference to me Uh, but in doing that i was recommended um Gosh, what is the name of that band? Uh, Oathbreaker. Oh, oh yeah. And um, I was amazed by them, and so I've I've listened to I don't know how to pronounce the name of the record R H E I A, but I've listened to that uh-huh. as well. Um, so, yeah. We have a very loose plan in the pipeline where Sam just jumps on the mic and just rattles off like all of the different metal genres under the sun. It'll take 24 hours. <laughs> totally. There's just so many variants. And yeah, as soon as you dive into it, it's just like, what the fuck? Like, there's just... <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. We'll give you an advance release of Sam just rattling off black metal. I loved, I loved the confusion over the band named Prong. Um, yeah. <laughs> And it was funny, then our friend Richard just, like, before we released that episode, like, the, the day I was releasing it, he's like, organically brought it up in a sentence. It's like, this is the first two times I've heard of Prong in years. It's that weird, is it the Dunning, no, I'm not sure, that thing where, like, you hear something and then you just see it or hear it all the time, like, so, yeah, Prong is going to follow me for the rest of my day. But it's like, the, the bassist is the guitarist for Madonna or something strange oh, like that's that. that's so sick. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I haven't been listening to prong or to metal, but (laughs) I have been listening to, so, yes, Phoebe Bridges, incredible. Um, While I was home with my parents for a weekend before we couldn't go and see them anymore, I spent many a bath time session just listening to that with candles in the dark, and it was great. Um, And then, God, what else? I think, yeah. Taylor Swift, like that. Taylor's my girl. Like, I, yeah, I love folklore. Like, it's just such an interesting sort of, like, to me, it's the closest to Red that she's been since Red, and that's the album that, like, got me well into her. Um, Yeah, her, I think for me, the standout track is August. It's just so warm and lovely. Um, So, yeah, that's put me in a strange sort of headspace the last couple of days because it's all about sort of like your younger years and those teenage sort of love stories and stuff but it's been very nice sort of contemplative kind of music good but, yeah and then of course stay what you are or change if you need to punctuating it here and there and also just a lot of um free-to-air radio via a stereo that our friend Richard gifted us, um, which I didn't realise is very repetitive. I just 
had completely <laughs> forgotten that they tend to queue up like 10 songs and then just cycle through them of a day. Yeah, you have all the music in the world at your fingertips and yet you play only the same 10 songs every hour. I think I just like the... I'm not digging it. No, no, I'm not. I know, I keep getting weirdly combative about that. But, like, yeah, I think it's just the spontaneous nature, but it's not that spontaneous. So, I don't know. I'm just kind of ruining everything for myself at the moment. I think we have reached a pretty logical point to at least stop recording. I need to do some pretty deft editing for this. Um, but uh, before we let you go, Jordan, is there any thing that you would like to what i thought you were gonna give him a hell yeah or yeah nah. <laughs> <laughs> just like right to his face like actually you know what i found this kind of derivative and it was but no um i give all of jordan's Can we explain yeah nah nah yeah i don't think so but i think i could probably figure it out it's yeah it's very australian it's essentially like do we like this or do we not like this so like yeah nah means no Nah, sure. yeah, means yes. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> it's it... whatever it ends with. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think of that, like, whether or not that translates to, like, our non-Australian audience, but also... But it also does, because hell yeah is a, a definitive this is true. yes. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm so sorry. This has just gone off the rails, as per usual. Uh... <laughs> All right, let me try this again. This is going to be such an interesting feat of editing to make this sound normal. All right. Why, <laughs> Jewel? So before we let you go, Jordan, uh, aside from Tell My Wife I Love Her, which is out on August 14 and listeners can pre-order on Bandcamp, is there anything else you want to plug in general, anything you want to recommend to our listeners or this is your space to do as much or as little self-advertising as you'd like. Sure. Well, I will, I'll plug one thing for me and one thing not for me. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, so you can go on YouTube to watch the videos. I assume at this point, the second single will be out, which is cycles, which is a, uh, kind of weird woozy synthy, but with strings and other real instruments cover of an old Frank Sinatra song. Um, oh wow my friend lily helped me with uh directing and editing a a, a pretty diy music video for it that involves me in a suit and fire and other things Um, hopefully be out at this point so you can go watch that and the video that my friend adam and i made for spooked you yeah that's my personal plug the other plug i will say is everybody should check out you know, I, I was going to say a specific one, but just like everybody, give some meditation a shot. Because right now, yes. we need some time to like relax and um, spend a little bit of time, you know, in the moment without thinking about what's going on. And uh, I use 10% happier, and I think it's great, but there are plenty of other things. So, like, you know, do your mental health a favor and give that a shot thank you that is very much needed and very wholesome at the moment um yeah i am very bad at living in the moment it's my least favorite place to be so yeah having yeah so the last few months has been a challenge to put it very mildly um so yeah if meditation is something that works for you absolutely if you find it hard to stay grounded which that is me to a T. 
just hop on your balcony and listen to some whatever makes you happy. music. Exactly. Yeah, whatever puts you in that calming space. Yep. Do things yourself. Exactly. Mm. Oh, thank you. We yeah, I think we need to bring a little more sort of self-care positivity oh, absolutely. into our pod instead of just <laughs> crab walking emo uh, thank you so much jordan um i am going to press stop on this but we are not going to hang up on you entirely because that would be very rude <laughs> goodbye so i'm down and so i'm out but so are many others so I feel like trying to hide my head beneath these covers. Life is like the seasons after winter comes the spring. So I'll keep this smile wild and see what tomorrow brings. I've been told and I'd be That life is meant for living And even when my chips are low There's still somewhere forgiven I've been many places Maybe not as far So I think I'll stay a while and see if something